You're listening to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. I'm the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm also the founder of The School of Reinvention, a community-based coaching platform where we help people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to make it happen. I believe that as the years pass, our values, passions, and purpose evolve, and we must reinvent ourselves in order to stay aligned with who we really are and what matters to us. This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the School of Reinvention podcast. I am your host, Roger Osorio. I am a reinvention coach and author of the book, The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose. I'm here with Brian Drury, who is about to open up and go deep on all of his experiences walking the journey to reinvention. So without further ado, Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself. Kind of give us the the high level of your journey to reinvention. Roger, great to see you, man. I am so excited to be here because the work I do now and the journey to get there, as you know, because you've seen behind the scenes, is not this easy, crystal clear, smooth path. And now I work as a speaker and communication coach. I work with individuals and entrepreneurs around the world and corporations. And I really, at the core of it, I help people speak confidently and clearly about the things they love and their products and services. To get there, born in New Jersey, went to Penn State, which we both share. And yes, I'm wearing a Penn State shirt, even for the people listening on audio. I graduated in supply chain and minored in Spanish. I said, I want to travel. Uh, what's a good career for that? And they said supply chain. That was about as far as I thought into it. Moved to Wisconsin, then to North Carolina, then down to Brazil, then back to North Carolina, all the way out to California in a 10-year supply chain career. And during that time, started building my own business. And for seven and a half years during my corporate career, I was building. And then ultimately in April of 2022, I finally took the leap for a variety of reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into. And now that's how I ended up here. And in that time, I traveled to 17 different countries. I speak two other languages that have, that's been a very interesting journey in and of itself. But all of that has led to put me here. Well, you know, you've already alluded to this. Obviously, you know, we are dear friends. Uh, you're an incredible uh, speaking coach. You've, you've helped me craft parts of or recraft parts of my, my talks, which is really cool because I, having done that same talk, you know, over, I think the time when we worked on it, I had already done it over 70 times. I mean, I had it tattooed in my brain, basically, and I already knew how to do it. But you found some opportunities. And, you know, I know this is something you do for your clients. So I think it's really cool. Uh, but I, I cannot wait. It, there's so much to unpacking your overall story. Like you mentioned, it's not just about work. It's also about your personal life. It's about things you do that make you who you are. And that's precisely why I want to interview you and I want to interview guests like you because the journey to reinvention is about a a fulfilled life, but that is fulfilled in many different areas, not just this one area. And your story has that. And, you know, we're going to get to some of this in a moment. So let's kick things off. You know, one of the most important questions that I'm looking to unpack and get to know about from everyone I talk to is how they define success. You know, obviously, we've heard all the traditional definitions of success. Perhaps we were brought up with some of those. I know that I learned them at high school. I learned them at university. We went to the same university, so we were probably given the same definition of success. And then we go on and pursue that. But, you know, as life unfolds, we learn about ourselves. We learn about life. We learn about our careers and what we love. And maybe it changes. I know it did for me. And so I'd love to hear today, 
If somebody was asking you, how do you define success right now? What would you say? Right now today, and as you alluded to, it has evolved over the years. Right now today, I would say success is a successful person in my life has emphasis. And I think the word balance may be too heavy, but has emphasis and intention towards each area of their life. And they're not just focused on impact or income. There's a combination of both. So for me, success is a person who is working to bring their gifts to the world in a way that does good and lifts people up while not letting the other things in life fall off, like family, relationships, health. Because the people that I see as the most successful are the ones who prioritize and find a way to create a life where they have the freedom of choice to take care of their health and their relationships and build a very successful, a wildly successful business. You know, there, there are a lot of really cool things you said there. One is this, the level of intentionality. So the intention you bring to all of the areas of your life. So in your mind, it sounds like you are not thinking about it only in terms of career. And, and I know just from my own experience, there are moments where I thought I saw nothing but career and I let a lot of other areas drop off. So I think it's really important, you know, mm -hmm. to see all those areas. Uh, and, it, and I want to ask you then, so are, you know, you talked about how you see this, like a success, you said a successful person does it this way. Are you doing that right now? Are you a successful person? <laughs> That's, it's, it's, it's a great question because my negative voices, my imposter syndrome go, no, of course not. You're never enough. Right? Like when we talked about those negative voices, because yeah. you ask me that and an internally self-deprecating, like, you know, New Jersey type of minds. I mean, growing up in Jersey, you bust on each other and all this, but yes, I am. And like when I actually pause and think about it and when I take the moment to do it, I, and I often need reminders. And for everyone listening, I think the big thing is, and we're, I know we're going to talk about this, is the people you surround yourself with is so critical, especially when you're a solopreneur or in a small business. When you're building and crafting something, it's it's really easy to get so caught up in the day-to-day -day that you're not enjoying the process of the ride. And I know that sounds like cliche, like I remember as a kid hearing, it's not the journey, it's the destination. And it was like some movie, I think it was like a Disney movie. And I'm like, yeah, but once I have the money, it'll make sense, right? Like once I'm rich and I do this, then I can just have the freedom. And I think the younger me thought, you'll be successful when you make all this money and then you can figure out life. And I've realized, I know a lot of those people now. I know people that are wildly you know, successful and rich and wealthy, and they have the same struggles, but many of them have waited two, three, four decades because they were so focused on the financial success that everything else fell off. So I've been very fortunate and I've been very deliberate in selecting mentors and high performers and studying them for you know, well over a decade now and applying those lessons because it's like I heard someone say, the cumulative knowledge of the human race is in books. And I know now we have so many more modalities where it's a book, it's a podcast, it's this. Yep. So why go through it the hard way when you can hire a mentor or a coach? I mean, for you, if someone is struggling to reinvent, if they're stuck, if they don't know what step to take next, or even how to figure out what they want next, but they feel that calling and that internal drive, well, you can save years, months, decades of time, money, energy invested by just hiring the right coach and a high quality coach. So for me, am I successful? I, and I appreciate the question because I'm like, I have to pause and go, am I? And I'm like, when I stop and think about it, yes, but very often I'll have those negative voices telling me, no, it's not enough. It'll never be enough. And it's a constant journey to work on that 
And I always yeah. tell people, it's not about eliminating the negative voices to the fear because you never will, or you just do nothing out of your comfort zone and you stay really stagnant. So if you want to be on this journey of reinvention and growth, it's going to take some courage and some resiliency, but it's so much more worthwhile because you grow as a person and your self-image grows. And I can tell you, would I have said the same thing several, not even just like when I was still in my corporate job, I would have had a lot more resistance, but now I can say, hell yes. And it's growing and it's gaining momentum in ways that I never could have seen and never could have imagined had I chose, chosen comfort over that reinvention and growth. You know, I totally hear that about the pointing the question at yourself. And that's the thing. I mean, I asked, it's interesting because I asked you what your definition of success was. And then you immediately went and told me about like, you know, a successful person is. And then, you know, we went back to you and even still you were like a little hesitant almost to say, yes, I am, you know, successful yeah. in, in my definition of success. And even if you're not, I think the, the the key here to the question is what is your definition of it, right? How do you define it? And and then, of course, you may not be there in all areas. You may be working towards them very like intentionally. And I think that goes back to your definition and what you were saying. It's about the intention. And I think if you are working towards those things intentionally, even if you haven't hit maybe your most current target for a particular area of life, that's cool. Like, that's totally fine. But you know exactly what it is. It's on your terms. You chose it. Uh, that said, it is hard, right, to say, like, to admit that we've succeeded in something at times. I know that mm -hmm. I, I have not, even on this most recent journey, building the podcast, launching a newsletter, all these different things that are going on. Sometimes people will say like, hey, man, congrats on all of this stuff. And I'm just thinking like, on what? You know, <laughs> wait, right. what are we talking about? But it's it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a battle. I have to remind myself what my definition of success is, which isn't only the the, the podcast or the newsletter or the coaching or whatever it is I might be doing on the work side. It's also the time that I spent with, you know, with my daughter. It's the time I spend with my wife. It's the time I spend with my dad and my sister and her family and the things we get to do together with our dear friends and all of that. That is for me, like the overall definition of success, like it includes a lot of different areas, much like yours. And of course, to your point, I love what you said, again, going back to that key word, being intentional about it, not like accidentally saying, oh, it worked out. But right. you said something else that is also that, that I've thought a lot about because I've been there as well. It's this idea of, you know, what you said about I'll be successful when that for me is something really important because there were times where I thought, let me focus on the work stuff now. And then I will have time to devote to my family, to de devote to my parents, uh, you know, uh, friends or whatever. And for years, I went MIA from family and friends, thinking that this is the hustle. This is how it works. This is what we got to do. Again, I was adopting other people's definition of success and their path to success, too. And so not only their definition, but their path to their definition of success. And it landed me nowhere that I enjoyed, at least even when I was successful on some metrics, I was like, mm, yeah, but what about the other stuff? And now I feel bad about the other stuff. So not much celebrating was right. going on, even when other targets were being hit. But let's take it back. Uh, let's go back to earlier in your journey. What let's talk about original definitions of success. What was your original definition <laughs> of success? And you can pick any time you can pick high school, university, whenever. But let's go back, you know, a bit. Um, so we can appreciate like maybe how far along it's come. 
Yeah, the evolution is that that's always where I'm most interested is what was the story. I mean, that's literally where I live. Like one of my clients said the other day, he's like, Brian, you live in story, don't you? I was like, Yeah, I do. And I, I really love that framing because that's what I help people with, with not just story crafting for their speech on stage, but what is the story you're telling about yourself and your life? Because I realized over years of work, it, again, it wasn't this epiphany moment that just magically came, years of work and reinvention to get to the point where I was like, that's where I can help people with story, with speaking, with storytelling, with all of these things. If I can help you see the value in your story first, then I can help you reframe it and then put it into something that helps move you forward and you can use it to serve. So when I was a kid, success, there, there was always a monetary component where I was like, I, I saw there was a connection to value and I had great mentors and great leaders, even early, like in my parents, they would show me things and I learned things, even if it wasn't in this frame yet, like money is a multiplier. And so it just helps you do more of who, be more of who you are, do more. So a good person does more good with money. A person who's just selfish will do more selfish things with money. But when I was a kid, I remember saying at some point I was, they were like, what do you want to do? I'm probably in high school. And I'm like, I think I want to be an entrepreneur. And, uh, they were like, Oh, why? And I'm like, I don't really know what it is, but every time I hear these cool stories, I, I kind of like, it sounds like they do cool stuff and they have a lot of flexibility and choice. So that seems cool. And a lot of them make a lot of money. Very cool. Right. Cause this idea of if I have the money, then great. I'll, everything else will fall into place once the financial piece is taken care of. My parents started with nothing and my dad worked his ass off to get them to a point and us to a point where we had every option and choice. You know, we got to try things and experience things. So I saw all this growing up and I said, okay, but I also saw him stress about money more than anything. So, you know, my dad really had this heavy stress because his main thing, his main goal was to be a provider. So a piece of me said, okay, I want to provide, I want to grow, I want to, I want to do something meaningful, but I had no idea what that was. And over the years, it started to evolve. And one of my favorite quotes comes from what my first coach, Peter Scott, and he said, clarity isn't a requirement for taking action, but a result of taking action. So a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to think my way into the perfect plan so that when I get started, everything's going to go well. And it seems like, and I'd say smart people are really good at creating stuff that sounds totally logical, but it's just a way, it's what I call creative procrastination. It's a way of avoiding the rejection or the failure or the, this or doing the work and just pretending that somehow you're going to get to this perfect state where everything's going to fall into place perfectly because you did enough planning. But the reality is, and you and I both know, even just talking about the way this show has grown, even after the first season, it takes so much time to dive into things, but it takes far more time to hypothesize than it does to like get in, create a hypothesis, go in and test it. And that's like the scientific method. You're actually testing. Most people just start at the first, they're hypothesizing constantly and going, one day I'll take the step. So for me, that that, that definition of success has evolved over the years from something that was like purely a monetary point because I reached monetary points and felt the same. And it's that other old quote of anywhere you go, there you are. And I know that's typically applied to travel, but now I'm just me with X amount of money in the bank and I still have the challenges and the questions. So where it was monetary and then it was also like freedom and I, you know, oh, the, uh, Digital nomad was a big thing when I was in college, right? Work from anywhere in your underwear on a beach. And that was like the big hype thing in the entrepreneurial world. So that stuff seemed cool. And I thought having the flexibility and the choice, but I wanted to do impactful things. And it wasn't until 2014 when I met one of my real life heroes that the journey took a real shift. And my definition of success 
changed for the better and just has continued to improve since then. It's very clear what the gap is. And there was, a, I think, a shift in mindset, essentially, is what I'm hearing. There was a massive shift in mindset, which then drives a bunch of changes in the actual definition of what you think it is. And I think that was what has now helped you get to the definition that you are operating on, which will be interesting also to see what it is in five years and how it's evolved, yeah. you know, because like you said, clarity comes from taking action. So those goals might become more clear. Your definition of success will become more clear as you pursue and do more, you know, moving forward with the current goals that you have. I really like that, you know, that, that what you said about clarity, I think that's absolutely spot on. So let's talk a little bit about one of your most important accomplishments on the journey to reinvention. So I'm specifically mm-hmm. what I want to get to here is an accomplishment that or something you did or an achievement of some kind or whatever you want to call it, but something that helped notice or realize that life will never be the same again. So something really pivotal in your in your life. What would you say that a moment like that was? There's definitely one that I think in the moment, I didn't realize how pivotal it would be, but that's often how it is. It's that, again, that clarity comes through the action that's taken. And before I just real quick, before I go into that, talking about like why my perspective on success changed, I remember I got a dream job. I was getting paid in my corporate job to travel the world, flying business class internationally, staying in four and five star hotels, doing internal consulting. It was everything I thought I wanted, right? I was going to work on big, exciting projects. I was in my mid twenties. It seemed crazy to have this job, but I was doing great things. People valued my opinion. It was things I didn't have in the previous job where I was like, this is great. This is it. And I remember saying in college, if I got paid to travel, nothing could get me down, right? Like this, because I had studied abroad in Spain and I was like, everything makes sense now. Life's just this fun, magical journey, right? Then I remember being on my first work trip, sitting in a hotel in Kowloon Bay in Hong Kong, looking out, it's four-star hotels, beautiful thing. And I'm sitting on my bed sobbing because a few months earlier, I just lost my mom to cancer. And it seemed like none of it mattered without her. And at that point, I had more money in the bank than I'd ever had. I was growing, I was saving. I got like a 30% increase in my salary to take this new job. But that was one of, like I had heard it logically. I had heard like money isn't everything, but you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But once I, this and this, and then I was like, money isn't the main thing. And so as my supply chain career was going, I said, I know this isn't the thing, so I'm going to keep searching and trying. And so over the years, I did many iterations and we can dive into this later if you want, but that big pivotal moment came years after meeting one of my real life heroes. And you know, it's a guy named Sean Stevenson. So he's also known as the three foot giant. He's one of the most prolific speakers on the planet before he passed away in 2019. And he was born with a brittle bone condition that gave him like 200 breaks and fractures by the time he was in his early teens. So he went through all this. He, you know, a sneeze could break a rib. That's like osteogenesis imperfect is the name of the condition. So he goes on to beat his condition, become this world-renowned speaker, coach, author, therapist, an international best-selling author, he shares the stage with the Dalai Lama and Richard Branson. And I'm sitting in my apartment in Wisconsin on this one day. I'm like, is this it? I just go to work and I come home. Like, there's got to be more than this. My brother sends me a video called Sean Stevenson's Dance Party. And that prompted everything that came over these next several years. 
I went to my first personal development event in 2014, met Sean in person. So now this real life untouchable hero I'd only seen on screen became a person. I went to every one of his events for the next several years. And that was a lot for me. Like I graduated with 80 grand in student loan debt. It's I'm still paying it down. It's like, so I was paying a thousand dollars a month as a recent college grad towards my loans. It was crazy. Yeah. So going to these one to $2,000 per event or per ticket per events, like it was a lot plus flights, plus accommodations. Yeah. But every time I invested, it turned into far greater than I ever could have imagined. So I found myself going, there's something here. And it was at that 2014 event, few months after my mom passed, I said, this is the first time I've been happy since my mom passed. And this is what I want to do with my life. Like, I want to be a coach. I want to be a speaker. I want to do these things. And that crystallized. But how that manifested came through tons of iterations. Yeah. And every year, Sean does this big offer at the end. And he... Like in the 2014, I literally flew from Hong Kong. So that same situation where I was sobbing on the bed, I flew from Hong Kong to this event straight. At the end of the event, he does his big offer for a year-long coaching program with him. And it was always way, like I was like one day, one day, one day. And then the big reinvention moment was in 2017. Because every year, you know, the idea of investing 15, 20 or more thousand dollars was crazy but I saw the results. I saw the people. And like you said, you get exposed to a new reality and a new group and people that are at such a, a different level of just thinking where, you know, someone goes, oh, how long does it take to make a hundred grand? And you're like, oh, well, I mean, years of work. Some people have that salary, but this, and then someone's like, I get that for a day of consulting. And you're like, how the hell, what? You know, like it just completely reframes your mind in the game. So yep. in 2017, I'm feeling that call. And I think this is what you've told me about your listeners and the people that are here in this community, they're ready to answer the call. They're just looking for that next step and they're looking for that support. And you know, the clients, the people you work with, Sean was on stage saying like, it's time for some of you and all this. And so he does the offer the first day, it's a two and a half day event. And then he's talking about it the second day. And then the third day in the morning, he goes, I know there's one more of you that's ready, even though you don't feel it. And I knew he was like, he was talking to me. And I know people go, Brian, of course, he's just saying that, but Sean, it, we, he'd become one of my best friends over these several years. And I knew he kept, he would always push me. He wouldn't let me get comfortable because I know there's more, one more of you. And I, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, I was like, you know what, here, let me just go to the bathroom. I literally went to the bathroom and I was like delaying, just standing in the bathroom. Cause I was afraid. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready. I, what if I can't? And looking back at the core of it, I didn't doubt Sean's ability to deliver. I was like, what if I'm the one that fails? What if I'm the one that's not good enough? What if I'm the one that can't apply the lessons or can't get over my own stuff? And that's often what I find is the case. It's not a doubt. It, like when you have a high level coach or mentor, you're like, what if I don't? What if I can't? And so I go to the side of the stage during one of the breaks and I knew Sean's wife, Mindy. And I'm like, Mindy, I I got to talk to Sean. I, I got to talk to him. Cause again, the event's going to close ended a few hours. Like, I, I just got to talk to him. And she's like, Brian, you're not like, you're not supposed to interrupt him at the, and I'm like, I know, but can I just please? And she's like, just go real quick, just go. And so I run out to Sean on stage and he had this just calming grounding presence. And I look at Sean and I'm sobbing cause there's so much emotion. And this is one of those, like the call to greatness moments. It's like, do you step up? Or do you think you're, are you going to answer the call? And I'm like, are, am I allowed to curse? Are we, is cursing okay? Go for it. <laughs> I was, I was like, I can, I can censor, but I was fucking terrified. Like yeah. I was so scared. I'm tears running down my face. I'm like, Sean, like, 
I want to do this. I, I just don't know, but I'm not sure I'm ready, but I, 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 don't, I don't have the money, but I, I think I could figure it out. And I'm just rambling. And he just looks at me, he goes, Brian, have I ever let you down? I was like, no. And he's like, do you think I've got you? I said, yeah. He goes, I've got you. I said, okay. He's like, all right, go sign up. I was like, okay, I want to go sign up. Like, like just still sobbing. And (laughs) so, but it was because I needed that mentor and I needed that push. And he always was there to push you even when you didn't want it, but he knew you needed it because he knew where you were trying to go. Like a good personal trainer who can get those extra pushups out of us. Exactly. They know that they know we have it in us. They know it. They're like, they know, they also know that we don't think we have it in us. They also know that. And they, and they close that gap for us. Right. And my first coach said to me, a good coach's job is to see further down the road than you can see for yourself. So they see the potential. They see that. So I go and I sign up and I couldn't pay 20 grand up front. So I had to do two grand monthly for a year. So I was committing to $24,000. I swiped the credit card and I think I had four grand in my business account and maybe like six in my personal. So it wasn't like, oh, I've got this all covered, but it'll be, it'll be a real hit. I was like, I don't have this and I have to find a way. And it wasn't this magical, easy, the business took off and everything. And my guy got career promotions. It was like finding a way it was racking up credit card. And then my brother, who's a financial advisor going, Brad, this is way too, you got to do something. Then taking a personal loan, then doing a balance transfer card. And so it was all this, just working through it to figure it out. But every time I was there, there was something in my heart going, trust me, this is the right move. And what Sean used to say, I'll close this bit with this is Sean used to say, your intuition can't give you all the answers because it operates off faith. And so we'll have these moments where we're going, Hey, I'll trust you when, and the universe, God, whatever you, whatever word you or the listeners put to it. It's like, they go, yeah, that's not how trust works, champ. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, just tell me how everything's going to turn out and it's all going to be okay. Then I'll trust you and take the leap. It's like, that's not trust. So a part of it is you have to trust, take the leap, and also trust yourself enough that you're going to be willing to step up, make the commitment, and go for it. And that decision changed the course of my entire life, my business life. And what happened the following year at that same event changed the course of my life forever. And it's a big part of why I'm doing what I am today. Man, that that is, an, first of all, just an incredible story. And... <laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot to unpack there. I want to move on to some other questions, but this one thing that I want to get out of that question that, or out of your response that I think is really important is the power of some of these like immersive events. You know, you and I have this in common because we go to some of these, uh, you know, we try to do this like once a year and not let too much time pass. But these are moments where we are, you know, at, to your point, pushed way out of your comfort zone and someone is there who knows that you can do that even if you don't believe it right now, they know you can and you get stretched and, and it's, it's necessary. I mean, if we, if we go to the gym every day and do what feels good, like, okay, like 10 pushups feels good. And I'm, I'm not doing nothing. I'm doing something. So I'm getting something out of that. I mean, not much happens in a year, but that moment that you're like, Hey, let me sign up for that challenge that they're doing at the gym on Saturday. And you show up and well, they're counting on you to do 20 and you've never done more than 10, but you find out that, wow, I had an extra 10 in me. What was that? You know, I mean, that's, that, mm-hmm. those are the moments. I mean, that's when you realize life will never be the same again. I'm someone who could do 20 and all this time I thought I could only do 10 and you know, same for you. And what a massive commitment 
massive investment in yourself, which is another big theme in the journey to reinvention is the, the idea like that we've got to invest in ourselves. You know, that's a whole nother episode, I think, and a whole nother topic is this idea of investing in ourselves. Well, and dude, when exactly what you said, when we, and the frame I like for this is when we do something that we thought was impossible or wasn't us, right? Oh, I can't, I'm not a 20 push up guy. I'm not a hundred K a year guy. I'm not this. I'm not a girl who can do that. Right? Like I'm not a person who's capable of blank. And then you do it. Yeah. It immediately begs the question, where else am I holding myself back without even realizing it with self-imposed barriers? Yeah. And that's where you and I come in for people. We go, all right, where are you at? Where are you trying to go? And they go, well, this is impossible. I don't have a choice. I have to do this. Roger, I got bills. I got things. I got this. And it's like, well, what if you could 3X that in half the time, like simply by making the change? And it's, I, I heard this great thing. The guy who was Tom Brady's performance coach, he said, you don't just need big dreams. You need big belief to accompany those dreams. So a lot of people dream really big, but if they don't believe it, what's, you know, it's like, well, that'll never happen. So you don't get started. So you also have to cultivate that belief. And like you said, if you're going to a trainer and they go, Hey, you can do more. And they're, they're like, you can do 20. Like, well, I'm not ready for 20. They're like, all right, let's start with 11. And then every week we're going to add one on. Well, by the end of the week, that's 52 more push-ups that you're doing straight. So you're going from 10 at the start to 62. And if you think about that from business growth, <clears throat> more than six X your business growth, six X your financial health, spiritual. It's like, so these small incremental changes, it's the coach's job to see, Hey, you can do better, but what step do you need and what can you take? And that's why podcasts like this are so important because these can give those little incremental changes and also tell the story of what the consistency leads to down the road. Let's talk about beliefs. I mean, this has already come up a little bit and I think it's, and you know, it's been uh, weaved into some of your responses and some of what we talked about. What is, a, what is an empowering belief that you have today? I, I, I love this question because I thought about this and I think one of the most empowering and most critical beliefs I have is I can figure it out or I can learn anything. So that I've had at my core and I'm very fortunate with the parents I had because they supported me and they encouraged me to try and learn is I believe that I can figure anything out with enough time and enough effort. So what that means is whatever new thing I can take on or I want to go for, I can figure it out. And it's the whole thing. Like people will go, well, Brian, I can't do that. I'm not ready. And I said, if I gave you 10 years to figure this out, could you do it? They're like, well, yeah, of course. I would read books and do this. And I'm like, right. So could you get started now and do those same things and start to make progress? They go, yeah. So of like one of my deepest core beliefs is I can figure this out. On the other hand, then, so let's let's flip that around. What's a what's a limiting belief that you still carry today? Maybe one that you're working <laughs> on overcoming. Maybe one that you know is to be overcome soon. Yeah, and I and I don't want to be overly general because the I am not enough is something that I know we all battle. It's one of the core human experiences. But I think when my negative voice, like on a good day, negative voices are not barely even there, but on a bad day, it's like, you know, you turn the volume up to 11. And I would say a core one that hits me a lot is when something doesn't go to plan or, you know, a dating relationship doesn't work out or I fail, it's like, see, you're never going to be enough to really make this last. You're never going to be enough to make this work. It's never you're not gonna have the resilience or the strength to keep going through all the challenges. You won't be able to endure. So I think 
a core belief that I will be working with and working on my entire life is the one of I'm not enough. Because when I was younger, I looked for external validation to do that, but then realized I was beholden to external validation, whether that was in girls liking me, financial yeah. success, this, 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 where now it's more of I'm better at catching it before it has a chance to really like take root and guide my behavior. But also sometimes I need help. And that's why I've got that circle of friends around to just go like, Hey, I'm in my own head. I'm stuck. I need some help. And I think that's a big one is when we're, when we're caught in our limiting beliefs, don't try to do it all yourself. And, and I'm speaking, I'm telling, I'm reminding myself as much as giving this advice to anybody else, because we all, it's really easy to get caught in our own head yeah. sometimes. So that one I would say is one of my core limiting beliefs that I will, I don't believe I'm ever going to fully get rid of. I'm just going to change my relationship with. Oh, uh, dude, no, that's you're BSing me then because what happened to it's all figure outable. And that's the thing. So this, uh, right. that, that includes and this that's the limiting point. belief. It is figure outable. Yeah. So there you go. So, fi yeah. so figure well, they it out. directly contradict. Yeah. yeah figure and that's, and that's a great point is reminding people that sometimes your strongest empowering and your strongest disempowering will generally be or often be polar opposites. And sometimes exactly doing what you did just where I'm like, hey, Roger's right. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I just got to figure it out. And I believe I can, but I'm also, I've had enough experiences in life to know there's not going to be a point where everything's just easy and flowing and sunshine and rainbows. So I don't expect that, but I celebrate it when it comes. That's more. interesting. That's a belief right there. You just said, I believe that life is never going to be all sunshines and rainbows and all of that. What you just said, mm -hmm. and you started off with yep. a belief. So that's, I would argue that's another disempowering belief perhaps that's true no you're right 100 yeah, and this is what happens when you get two coaches in a room <laughs> i mean you're you're baking it you're baking in that in the future there will never be a moment where and and mm -hmm. and whether that is true or not believing it up front mm -hmm. you're always leaving room for this one disempowering belief to be there i you know i and and i'm and i'm you know i'm being a pain in the butt here uh, uh just to explore this just to think about it but i think you know to your point Yes. There's these conflicts, these contradictions, like in our belief systems. And, and I think there's an opportunity to, to kind of call some of them out and just think like, wait, does that make sense that I believe this? And, and going back to what you said about like, oh, this one sounds kind of like what everyone says, I'm not enough. Right. You know, there's other versions of that, I think maybe that people might experience in that. I know for me, it's been sometimes I think to myself, this is not something that would happen to me. Right. Like that happens to other people. Like other people can have that breakthrough success. Other people can, you know, have that best-selling book or other people can, you know, get like, you know, a million followers or whatever you want to call it. Whatever the thing is that you might be looking at. It's this idea that, oh, that happens to other people, which is another exactly. way of saying like, yeah. I'm not enough for that or I'm not equipped for that or whatever. And yet on the other hand, I would tell you that my most empowering belief is that anything can be learned as long as we want to learn it. So then when I put those two against each other, I have to then question myself. <laughs> so do I really want that or not? <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't, maybe that's why I'm not going for it. And that's why right. I don't think it's for me, um, which, which would be fine then. Like again, but it comes down to questioning some of these things just to, you know, challenge ourselves and make sure that, Hey, the, are we consistent? Mm -hmm with our beliefs here. That's why I love having you in my corner as one of my people, because we do this for each other just in our calls. And this is where, like, I was like, this is why people should hire you because that, mo mm -hmm. that moment of nuance, I'm now gonna process and go, well, 
in my mind, I wasn't saying all the time. I, I was just saying it's not always going to be, but is there a better way to phrase it that is more empowering that serves me better? And that's often it is like it sounds, starts with those foundational beliefs and it's often a simple reframe. And that was it. You've caught the little nuance that I wasn't really even acknowledging. I was like, oh yeah, it's true. And then I was like, he's right. Mm. So that's why people should hire you. There you go. Hire Roger. He'll get, he'll get those nuances and you'll get rolling. There it is. There we go. I appreciate, I appreciate that <laughs> no, plug. I pre no. And I did not ask him to make that plug. So I appreciate that. Let's talk about, so there in my book, I talk about guiding angels. In fact, I mean, some people call this section the acknowledgments, right? Like, who do you acknowledge in the book? And I thought to myself, like, I want to make this a chapter. And so I called it the guiding angels on my journey. And the way I think about guiding angels are people who come into our lives maybe for an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, 10 years, I don't know, or anything in between or beyond or, you know, below that. But they make an impact, whatever it was. They remove a barrier. They open a door. They plant a seed. They do something for us. Tell me about, you know, one of your guiding angels. I, I no doubt there's been several. So, you know, pick one out that comes yeah, to mind. There, it's a huge list. And, uh, but it's one that has been, again, cultivated intentionally, like we talked about. And I didn't even really realize this until we started talking about that's been one of the biggest things is I've gone to those events. Like 85% of my vacation during my corporate job was for personal development events. And I was hiring coaches with the extra money and I was, doing all of these extra things. So that's something where it's critical, but I was extremely blessed. And my mom is both, you know, a, she was an angel in my life and is an angel. Now my mom was one of the most, uh, incredible people I've ever met. And I've met a lot of people, you know, how social I am. So, um, and she had a way of celebrating people and, encouraging and lighting people up. Like even just the people you would pass day to day, she made every person feel special genuinely. And, you know, one of the things I remember the pastor said, she was my was very religious and the pastor who did her memorial service after she passed said, you know, most people come to church and go, I wish my husband or my wife or my boyfriend or my girlfriend or my kids were here. They really could have used that message today. And my mom would come up and say, thank you, pastor. I really needed that message today. And so my mom was quietly, and I didn't realize this till years later, uh, quietly, constantly working on herself. Like she had the Tony Robbins cassette books. You remember those big books? You opened up with a bunch of cassettes in there. She had wow. books and that's, books that's, and that's books. That's OG. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's throwbacks. Yeah, some of the younger listeners are going to be like, cassette? And, uh, and it's but like, it's a but <laughs> that's a that? it's this fun thing. It's, it, don't worry about it, guys. But um, she had shelves of books on parenting and development. I was like, I remember just being like, my mom was so naturally good and she was naturally caring, but she worked on herself constantly. And she was the person who she didn't preach, she practiced and she let the way she lived be the greatest example. And so I think of one of a billion things I could say about my mom. And I would say too, in my journey and my growth, realizing she wasn't perfect either. That was important for me to see like, hey, she was human too. And so, you know, not to put any one person on a pedestal because we all are human. We have our ups and downs. We have our good and our bad. Um, but to see that she, she focused on results and helping people and letting the way she lived be the, you know, the testimony of her life, just to put it one way versus, you know, the person who's finger wagging or yelling at people to get out of bed on social media and not doing it themselves. And I found my best teachers, my best guiding angel, angels, my best mentors are the ones, and my best friends are the ones who are 
working to live that life. And you're one of those people, dude, you're one of those people for me where you, you see further down the road than I can. And you've given me insights and motivation. And you've said, hey, Brian, that's worth a lot more than you're charging. You've done it both in the personal and in the business space. So um, you're another. So I really appreciate that. But yeah, it, when it first one that comes to mind, you know, Sean, my mom, and my mom still teaches me to this day. And she passed away. Uh, it'll be 10 years ago next year. Wow. Yeah, I love that, man. I, I, I love that story. And I appreciate you sharing uh, that so openly. You know, it, I think it's interesting that as the years pass, you are you, you see more about you, you, you understand more how much of a guiding angel she was on your journey. And she continue, and like you said, she continues to be one, even as time passes, uh, even if she's not here. Uh, physically on earth with us, you know, she is still somehow guiding you. So that that's just absolutely, it's absolutely beautiful. And, you know, it, it, in a similar way, let's, you know, one of the things that I, I that I wanted to talk about is a different kind of relationship. Um, you know, your romantic relationships, thinking about, you know, those and, and how they play a role on the journey to reinvention. And I want to like set this one up a little bit because I think, you know, I, I, it could be tough, right? You know, you're, you're going through a reinvention and, and when we're, when we're meeting somebody that we might be going out with romantically, I mean, if you just think about like the typical first date, right, we want to show our best self and our best self, of course, is probably well-employed, you know, doing really well financially, like got their stuff together, knows what their goals are, stable. All these things are kind of what society has told us is, like showing, like being like, you know, bringing your best self out and all of that. And so, of course, on a first date, we want to do that. But life doesn't really work out that way. You know, I mean, you know, you're not going to meet, I mean, you meet people anytime, right? And and it might not be where you are like at your ap- absolute optimal best. And and are we ever at our absolute optimal right. best? I don't know. Maybe for like a minute before then we're not, <laughs> the mo- yeah. right? The moment you set another goal, you're like, well, not at my best anymore because I just <laughs> moved the bar. So, so much for best. Like best yeah. just went from best to okay or good or just above average. So given this, like just there's no... There's, this is not a, something that's just black or white, you know, it's not this right. or that. It, there's so much gray, so many shades of gray here. And so I think it's an important conversation to discuss because I know I've worked with people who have shared with me their hesitations to get into a relationship while they're going through their journey to reinvention. Mm-hmm. And and while I don't know all the answers here, this is something I hope to explore with this next season of, with this current season of the podcast by asking this question more regularly. But when I think about my journey, it's the romantic relationships that I had along the way that brought me to this point. Honestly, the, the credit that I give to my, some of my ex-girlfriends, I, I, I mean, it, it's insane. Like I, I honestly, if any one of them was removed from my life, absolutely not sure where I would be today. Uh, would I be here? Would I be somewhere else? I have no idea, but it would definitely, I think it would definitely be somewhere else, which means there was enough impact that my life would be radically different today than it is. I don't know if, again, I'm not predicting better or worse or anything like that. I'm just saying that it would be different because they did have an impact and, and I would call it a very positive impact. 
Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, for me, relationships were very important along the journey, romantic relationships, that is. And I'm just yeah. wondering, like, how others experience this and if we can find patterns. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, you know, just your thoughts on it? I'm not even looking for maybe a story, but it might just be your thoughts on re- your reflections on your own relationships. Yeah, the uh, I'm, for the people just listening, I was nodding the whole time because many people that I've heard further down the road than me will try to, they'll go, uh, I'll just put relationships on hold. I'll just focus on business and then I'll figure all that out later. And then they've got the mansion, the house, the cars, but no one to share it with. So, uh, you know, it's like, who do you want to share the ride with? And not who's the person you'll be good enough for when you've got the money, the fame, the prestige or this or this, who's the person that's willing to grow with you. And these are like, I'll tell you relationships, I think is the area I had the most area to grow. I still have tons to grow, but when I look at how far I've come in, you know, my dating life, it's huge. And a quote that I love and hate at times is your relationships are a mirror. And what I found is, you know, people go, she or he triggered this in me. They made me feel this. They, and, you know, I used to play the victim more than anybody. I think I had like a gold medal in it. I would point fingers and, but I would do it in the, like a personal development way. Like, oh, I just, they don't get, I, like, I would never lash out, but then I would hold it in and I wouldn't speak my truth. And I didn't realize like, and I don't say that in the, like the, you know, like speak my truth type of like guru, like type of thing. I mean, I wouldn't just say what I was really thinking and feeling. And a younger me thought, I was worthy and valuable if I had a girl or girls interested in me, you know, whether I was dating or not, just so much as I had that female attention that proved that I was a man and I was worthy. But then over the years, I realized like there were times I was in relationships and I was even more miserable. And a lot of it was continuing to work on not needing someone or needing company to feel okay. Like, you know, being, being okay, being alone. And not feeling alone, not feeling lonely, just being like, hey, this time on my own, I'm learning about myself. So instead of trying to avoid it and fill it with someone else or some other activity, and some, and oftentimes not caring who that person was just because I put all my self-worth into having a relationship, it's saying, all right, if my self-worth is independent of that and I don't need a relationship, I'm far more likely to attract a healthier one. So I, and I'm still learning, man. I mean, even recent dating, I've done things. I was like, dude, I thought you grew past that. And I think this idea of where I used to think growth was like a step, you know, you step up and you never go back down, but it's really not. And my mentor, Sean, used to say life is like a kaleidoscope. So a slight turn, everything shifts and it may be the most beautiful image you've ever seen. But then when you keep turning, it can feel like chaos and turmoil and everything's falling apart. And then it falls into something even more beautiful than you ever could have imagined. But part of that is perspective and part of that is keep turning and keep growing and being ready for the shifts and the changes. So relationships for me are number one. And one of the other main lessons was being willing to let go of a relationship when it wasn't right because I don't do things halfway. And if I'm in a relationship, I'm in it. And if I'm in a person that doesn't support the journey, that needs the financial stability that I can't guarantee because I've had the ups and downs in the entrepreneurship. I've seen $16 in the bank account. So if I need someone that wants to be like, I'm going to do everything I can and be creative and work to celebrate this person, learn their love languages, speak them. Like I really want that, that quality of relationship, but I'm also not afraid of letting go of what's wrong. And that's something I've gotten good at is healthily stepping away. And so the thing I've, I think is important is if it's right, keep working on it. And like we said, have intention. Don't expect it to just magically be easy because we know how that goes. We hear those stories all the time. Things were great at first, but then we just kind of got in the routine. But then if it's wrong, 
you can step away. You don't have to wait until it's a nightmare, which trust me, I did plenty of times to step away. You can be like, Hey, I don't see the match. It's okay. Uh, we're just not a fit for each other. It's not about attacking. It doesn't have to be this terrible thing. And I literally have, I've had girls like thank me for the way we broke up because it showed them it didn't have to be this cataclysmic, you know, like nuclear bomb going off. So relationships for me are huge, but I think it's being willing to let go of the wrong ones is the only way you're going to create space for the right ones. So now, you know, th this is the person that is often going to be like perhaps the closest to us maybe in, in any part of the journey. But in a similar way, uh, you know, there, of course, there are other people who are on the journey. Tell me a little bit about your reinvention entourage. <laughs> who would you say are, are the people like your supporters, like your crew, the people that, you, you know, you can't roll without for this journey? The entourage for me, and, and I'm considering entourages the people I'm like actively connected with because there's coaches and mentors over the years that, you know, I'm not as connected with now, but like right now in my life. You're yeah. So one. let's think of like your yeah. current entourage, like today's yes. entourage. Yeah. Yeah. Like my circle, like, and that, that, that's the word I use is the circles. Who's the people that I keep mm -hmm. and they're close and I trust with everything. Right. So you're one of them for sure. Like I mentioned earlier, Appreciate that. um, my two buddies, uh, Adel and Steven, uh, we call ourselves the dream team Supreme and we have a weekly like a uh, call together and there one is a, a world renowned copywriter. The other is a serial entrepreneur. And so we, sometimes we vent, sometimes we do movie quotes and sometimes we talk business strategy and we all help each other. Uh, my friend, Sandy, who I met through, uh, through Sean during that year long coaching program. And she, that was in 2017 to 18. And she, we still call, talk almost every week. Um, and she just took her jump from corporate America as a director to full-time entrepreneurship. So now she's wow. asking me for things, which you, again, you go like, I'm, I'm 17, 18 years younger, but I'm just further down this specific journey. And so we support each yes. other in all these ways. My brother is my, uh, he's my best friend. And, uh, even though he's not like, he's a financial advisor. So it's like, it is entrepreneurship mm -hmm. just in a different vein. Um, but those are some of the the first and core people. Like I, I have other friends, but just to list off a few of them that are like the close, close ones. But the people I consider my entourage and my circle are the ones I can come to, good or bad. They'll celebrate the wins with me. They'll help me through the losses, but they also won't take my bullshit. They won't let me get yeah. caught up in my own head. And they are going to push me because... We all need that at time. And I think sometimes the greatest form of love isn't telling people what they want to hear. It's what they need to hear. And we don't mm -hmm. always know what's exactly right, but it's like, hey, I'm saying this with good intention and I'm willing for things to be a little rocky to help you get to that next level. So those are the people, some of the first people that come to mind. You know, I've, I've other friends that are coming up now, but those are some of the first ones that come to mind that I talk to the most. I mean, everyone's mix is going to be different. Everyone's entourage is going to be different. And I think it's really interesting just to learn, like, who are the people? Because I think that someone who might be going, I, and, and I'm thinking more like when I started this, I felt very alone at the beginning yeah. of the journey. And I almost felt like that was the way to do it, which was a yeah. really bad way of thinking about it. And I thought that this whole idea of being the lone wolf, like almost was, I kind of almost thought it was cool. Like yeah. I thought it'd be, yeah, this is the way to do it. Figure it out myself. Like, you know, yeah. it's going to be my success. I'm going to do it. And in the end, no, it was not <laughs> there. I needed people. And as I learned that, of course, I started to, you know, welcome more people onto the journey to help me out in different ways. So I, I appreciate hearing that diverse mix of humans like that have come from different areas of life, including family, which I think is really cool that you have someone in your that you would count someone in your family like 
as part of the reinvention entourage. Doesn't mean that they're not supporters. It just means that like they're even closer. They're like part of the reinvention entourage. They're part of that yeah. uh, journey. I mean, uh, my so dad let's kind of go through a bit yeah. of a let's <laughs> let's go through a bit of a lightning round here. Uh, cool. And, and then we're just like going to hit some of these questions quickly. Mm-hmm. So first one is, what would you say has been like the single greatest needle mover on the journey? Maybe a habit, a strategy, a practice, something that you do that you're like, I, I can't do what I do without this. Like, this is a must. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The main, the one overall was studying meta learning. So learning about how I learned best, because in all of okay. the different things I've had to learn and apply, that's huge. The other core one would be instead of doing this long to-do list every day. I asked for the the single greatest. uh, Sorry. Okay. Single Single greatest greatest is meta learning. You're right. You're right. Learning, learning how to, learning how to learn is the, is the thing. Okay. That's cool. I mean, I, 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 that is powerful right there. I love that. Mm -hmm. All right. Tell me a little bit about, you know, just again, like a quick riff on finances along the journey. Maybe one big idea that you have come to a conclusion about or whatever regarding finances. And of course you're still on the journey. So no doubt this is still a thing. So what would you tell somebody about finances along the journey? Maybe a mindset or whatever. I thought it would be a lot scarier than it turned out to be to not have a consistent paycheck. But I found that when I shifted my, I left corporate and I shifted to focusing on what I love, that that perceived instability or insecurity I have a greater confidence that I can like change that. And I have, and I've proven that. So I think the big thing is that perceived security in the paycheck is just a mindset and just an idea that really security is not something we can ever guarantee. And it's like the Jim Carrey quote, why not go for something that you really care for? Cause nothing's promised, nothing's guaranteed. Is there anything you would do differently? What's one thing you would change now that you've gone so far on the journey What's one thing you would tweak or adjust that maybe somebody else can learn from so that they tweak and adjust it before, you know, they, they learn it the hard way. Yeah, there's so many. And one thing, one change, um, I always feel like it's a cop out to say I wouldn't change anything, you know, cause I'm like, I, there are things I certainly would have. And I think, um, and, and by the way, I hear you there. Like I hear you yeah. there. It's a tough, like, it's a question that I almost like didn't want to ask as part of this interview because I think that a lot of people that are on this journey, uh, like you and I are, would all say that. Like, no, yeah. honestly, I wouldn't change it. I, in my case, I wouldn't change like even the divorce, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, things like that. I've gone through really tough moments. I wouldn't change any of that. I would leave it exactly as it was. So let's think of it in terms of, okay, what would I tell somebody that they should look out for? So maybe they don't have to learn it the way I learned it. They can learn it from me because I already, I plan to keep my lesson and, and I don't plan to yeah. change it in my life, but I want them to not have to learn that one. They should learn another lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'd be like, I could change some things and still figure it out. But I would say one yeah. lesson is, um, I'll go, I'll go more specific in terms of entrepreneurship. Cause I know lots of people here is instead of trying to come up with a really creative brand or name, just use your name, get your domains around you, uh, build your platform around that. Cause as you reinvent, you can keep those same ones because I tried to reinvent or I reinvented several times. I rebranded and then ended up not using it at all because all my mentors said, just go for personal branding. That's what people are. That's the target right now. So in terms of if you're reinventing in the entrepreneurial space, grab either your name or the your name and do that across your socials, because then no matter what you do, 
you keep those same URLs. So all that traffic, all those people, all the, all the ones that are trying to find you can come there and just see what you're up to now, regardless of how that changes over the years. I love that. That's brilliant, especially for the journey to reinvention where you're constantly reinventing yourself. Who knows what you might be up to 10, 20 years from now. But I know that I can go to one place to find out and it'll just be easy to do that. Brother, thank you so much for this. Really appreciate it. All right. Love you, brother. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.